all forms of life, there are winners and losers. But the big upside for small business is simplification, firstly of European law, and secondly, the taxation system. I mean, the tax code, I'm told it's now over 14,000 pages long. We have wow. one of, yep, we have one of, one of the longest and most complex tax codes in the whole of the world. And one of the things that small businesses have to do necessarily is spend a lot on accountancy fees every year just to survive, just to keep going. And, and you know, I'm not saying overnight we go to a flat tax system or anything like that, but I do think, uh, I do think that our tax system is way, way too complicated. Okay, so that's opened three questions in my mind. I'll try and do them one at a time. So I am one of those business owners. Mm -hmm. We employ about 250 people. In our offices, it's nearly 100. On our construction sites, it's not far off that. And then outsourcers. And of course, there was no reduction in VAT. There was an increase in corp tax from 19 to 25%. My income tax is 45%. There's a 12.5% increase in national insurance. I pay business rates and yada, 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 yada. Yeah, everyone's saying all oh, the rich people don't pay tax. Well, actually, they pay yeah, all those taxes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, oh, oh, and dividends are going up too. Dividend tax is going up as well. Nigel, this is supposed to be a positive interview. <laughs> well, well, don't don't bring the bad news. <laughs> so dividend yeah. tax is going yeah. up. Yeah. So all this happened. Now, in lockdown 1.0, there was obviously furloughing and there were grants, etc. And, you know, look, I, I, it must have been difficult in government to handle this. But since then, there's been really nothing. And thankfully, I've kept the business going. I've got enough of a capital yeah. float. But hairdressers, bars, pubs, clubs, restaurants, Gone. gyms. Gone. Dead. Yeah. Why is there not financial support? Look, I mean, this is the one thing. And I, and I, I know this name drives some people crackers. Donald Trump? But, but no, 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 that really drives them crackers. <laughs> but, but in, you know, Margaret Thatcher, and it's, you know, north of Watford, everyone goes, ah. But actually, you know, she grew up above the corner shop which her dad ran. She understood small and medium price enterprises. And she and Reagan simultaneously in the 80s made life easier for people to be self-employed, massively reduced super taxes, gave people incentives. On your tax point, I mean, here's the point, right? The richest 1% of taxpayers pay 30% of the total tax take. 1% paying 30%. Don't tell me the high earners and the well-off are not paying their fair share of tax in Britain. Mm. They absolutely certainly are. The problem, and here is the real problem, is since 2008, since the sort of very near banking collapse that we had, a government have pursued policies, and I get too technical here, but we've, we've basically gone through a period of quantitative easing. Basically what government have done is they've pumped the price of assets. They've pumped by increasing the money supply. They've, they've pumped the price of property, they've pumped the price of equities. So those who actually had stuff have seen a large level of appreciation. And those who might have had reasonable incomes but didn't have assets have relatively suffered. And now that we've got inflation, which, which I believe is back to stay, by the way. I, I, I think they've misread this. I think the Bank of England misread this. I mean, Boris in October was saying, don't worry your poor little heads about inflation. Well, hey, it's going to be 7% by spring. But it's not going to be 7% in reality. No. If they, they don't put food and no, other things into of, it. Of it's course. going to be double digit in of, reality. Of course, well, it is now. Yeah. I mean, if we're being honest about it, it is now. But, but they always mess around with the basket of what makes it up. Yeah. So, so here's, the, here's, the, here's the perception problem about the rich. Yes, mistakenly, some people think, I think rich, you know, high earners, whatever you want to call it, that, that mistakenly.
If you love to travel like me and you understand the power in escaping the money for time exchange trap, but you just don't know how to do it, then building an Airbnb consultancy business could be exactly what you have been looking for. Right now in the UK, there is a completely untapped opportunity through helping struggling Airbnb hosts by turning around their underperforming properties and generating you huge commission payments in the process. We are going to teach you all of the tools and all of the techniques that we've learned over the last five years through building our very own multiple six-figure Airbnb business, arming you with everything that you need to swoop in and save the day. Minimal startup costs, zero risk, and almost unlimited potential. Sound good? Welcome to the Airbnb Consultant. Contact us through any of the channels included in the studio notes to get the conversation started. people think they're not paying their fair share of tax. They are, but those with assets have benefited massively from government policy and ordinary folk have paid the price. And there is something fundamentally wrong with that. I mean, take, for example, net zero. The government's going for net zero. You know, that means your bills will keep going through the roof over the course of the next few years. Your house is gonna have to have a heat pump. That will cost you 10 or 15 grand. Um, all of this is happening. Everybody in Westminster agrees. Now, that debate should be going on out there. It's a classic case. If you have the right system, you can actually beat the monopoly. Mm -hmm. So I have been deeply critical of this. On climate change, well, uh, all I've said is the pursuit of a net zero agenda will make the poor poorer. Literally make the poor poorer. Why? Well, take ULES. I mean, the ULES extension comes in two weeks uh, from now, exactly two weeks from now. It's £12.50 uh, to drive in and out of the greater London area. Well, I won't pay it. I've got a nice car. Yeah. It's the pensioners that'll pay it. Right. It's the people driving commercial vans that'll pay it. It's those that can't afford a new car that'll pay it. Uh, you know, and you look all the way through this. You look at the massive subsidies that have gone into wind energy, for example. Well, all it's meant is people have had 20% added to their electricity bills. Yeah. It doesn't matter to you and me, but it does matter to people on minimum wage and people that are struggling. Nigel, tax. Is the tax system fair and is the amount of tax we're paying fair? Well, I think the worst thing about our tax system is the sheer complexity of it. I think when Osborne um, became Chancellor in 2010, I mean, Osborne, I mean, never even had a paper round in his life and he becomes Chancellor of the Exchequer. <laughs> well, it's true, isn't it? You know, it's, it's PPE at Bloomin' Oxford or wherever it was and it's straight into a research office and suddenly you're the Bloomin' Chancellor. It's unbelievable. I think when, when, when he got in there, the tax code was about 13,000 pages, UK tax code. It's now well over 20,000 pages. Now, if anybody here is a tax accountant, they'll think it's terrific. I know they will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got one of those. <laughs> <laughs> but for the rest of us, it's a blooming nightmare. Because actually, our tax rate is 2 or 3% higher than you think it is, because you've got to pay the accountant to sort the whole thing out for you. Because you dare, well, you dare not do it yourself. Otherwise, you might finish up in very real trouble. So the first problem with it is it is massively complicated. There are way too many layers um, of it. Um, are we paying the fair tax rate? Well, look, um, you know, if you look at what, um, if you look at the, what the top one percent are contributing, I mean, the top one percent are now paying about twenty-eight percent of all tax revenue. The top one percent in twenty ten were paying twenty-five percent of all 
So, so the idea that the rich or the big earners aren't paying their fair share is for the birds. They are in a very, very big way. And the risk is, the risk is that you cheese them off too much, they just bugger off. They did it in the 1970s in vast numbers and took a lot of young talent with them as well. Um, so I frankly, I think 40% works. I actually think psychologically a top rate of 40% works. It was interesting, wasn't it, when Lawson brought it down to that, was it 35 years ago now, it worked. And I think for the Conservatives to have allowed it to stay up at 45 plus removing all the other potential benefits they've done. So look, I think the tax burden is too high. I think we've made ourselves business-wise. I mean, business-wise, what's happening is very worrying. I think the signal that corporation tax is going to go up by 30% next April is the most incredible self-inflicted wound. That's Rishi Sunak all the way through. I mean, for that alone, to me, he doesn't deserve to be prime minister. Uh, but Rob, you know, we have to look at government spending as well. We have to look at government spending. And, and is it right that there are 5.3 million people of working age in this country choosing not to work and living off benefits in some way? Is that right? Well, I don't think it is. But of course, as soon as you say that, oh, you want to force the disabled to, <laughs> to work. But I just think the system is open uh, to people sponging off it, frankly. And I, I, I think it needs to be addressed. It'll take somebody of enormous courage to do that. So, so no, the tax burden is the highest it's been since Clement Attlee. Uh, that has never been proven to be a healthy thing uh, in our country. Uh, but we've got to tackle the expenditure side. Nigel, why did the bank shut you down? Oh, because I'm me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a funny one. I, I, I set an account up with NatWest in 1980. Um, and I've been with the NatWest group. For, that's 43 years to 43 put it in context. Yeah. yeah, and had all my personal banking there. Also in the city, I did, when I was in working in commodities, when I had a proper job for politics, um, I, for nine years I ran uh, Farage Futures Limited. So I ran all my business accounts through NatWest. And then, about 10 years ago, they said, uh, we're withdrawing your foreign exchange facility. So, well, I'm being paid in euros. I, I want a euro account. No, no, you can't have that anymore. So I spoke to the manager in Seven Oaks, the local town. I said, that's really not good enough, is it? I said, and, you know, basically, if you receive my euros, you'll change them into pounds at rates about as good as Gatwick Airport. <laughs> <laughs> so I was really unhappy. Yeah. He said, look, don't worry. You know, you're a high-profile person. We'll, we'll put you in with Coots, which is part of the same group. And I sort of joked and said, well, I'm not really, you know, at the wealth level of coots, but, yeah. you know, fine. So yeah. I banked my coots ever since then. Uh, what has happened in the last few years, and it isn't just within the banks, a lot of it's coming from the regulator, the FCA, is we've seen this march of politicisation right. of private companies. Uh, targets for diversion, uh, diversity, for inclusion, uh, ESG, governance, uh, climate change. And you look at all this stuff and think, well, are these banks, are these commercial companies, or are they political entities? And that's really what got me. So the account was closed because I did not align with the bank's values. Wow. It was a political Have decision. you been told what the bank's values are? 
So, yes, basically I have. Um, they, uh, the, 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 the CEO, well, he's not there anymore. Uh, we'll come to that. <laughs> uh, yeah, the CEO said, look, you know, we're not, we're not just now about money. You know, we are about climate change. We are about inclusion. So I get a phone call, we're closing your accounts. I ask why. No reason given. It'll be explained in a letter. The letter arrives three days later. We're closing your accounts. We want you out of the bank by this date. No reason given whatsoever. So I wrote to the CEO and said, hang on. I mean, don't I at least after 43 years deserve some kind of explanation? And I got a phone call, not from him, but from, but from a relatively senior woman within the organization to say it's purely a commercial decision. We are making a commercial decision. You're a high profile individual. You know, it takes a lot of monitoring to make sure that you're, I mean, effectively, to make sure you're not a money launderer, as if. Um, and it's a commercial decision. I said, no, I don't believe that. I said, I, I genuinely, somewhere I think there is prejudice here. There is prejudice against me here, probably over Brexit, right? Which is right. one of the big divides that's, yeah. that's still there. I mean, I'm hopefully going to get better as the years go on. But I was stalemated. I was stalemated. What anyway, that mean? well, I couldn't do anything. What could I do? They wouldn't give me a reason. Um, I spoke to you lots of. You could tell everyone about it, like you have. Well, so I did tell everyone about it. I did tell everyone about mm. it. At which my inbox to nfarage.com became unmanageable. Just thousands of emails every day. Wow. From people up and down the country and all around the world saying they too had had their personal accounts and all their business accounts closed really? with no reason given. So I started thinking. So were these a mix of well-known people and not so well-known people? Very few of them were well-known people. Oh. And, and, so, and, and we'll come to the, okay. this is multi-layered. Yeah. All right. So I suddenly begin to think, something really big's happening here. So what do we drill down from this? Number one, uh, people's accounts have been closed in vast numbers. Up to a million bank accounts have been closed in Britain in the last four years. And is this under the, the guise of a politi politically so, exposed person? Let's do the layers. Yeah. Number one is politically exposed person. There are 90,000 people on that list. There are local councillors, national politicians, senior soldiers, senior civil servants, senior people in positions where they might be a boss of a company that trades with the Middle East or whatever mm. it may be. 90,000 people. <clears throat> the object of being a politically exposed person is that you're more likely to be bribed or part of a money laundering scheme. Do you think that's the okay. full story? There is not. There is not. Well, it could be even more sinister than that, <laughs> but there is not a single example in modern times of anybody on that pep list or their family being involved with money laundering. Lots of misdemeanors, some crimes, but no money laundering. And so what we do under pep rules is we treat, we treat my kids, because they're on the list. We, so your yeah, kids yeah. can't get a bank account? Well, they, I can assure you my family has struggled. You know? But it isn't just family, associates as well. People who are known to be associates could go on this list. Simon Heffer. So I, I could potentially, potentially with being yeah, here. Yeah, 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 that's right, you're done for, mate, yeah. The <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Simon Heffer, who is a, a, a very senior author and journalist, writes Telegraph columns, writes books. Simon went to top up his private pension uh, before the financial tax year ended in April. 
Um, and got a phone call back asking a whole load of questions about where the money had come from. He said, well, it's my money. Why are you asking this? Because you're a known associate of Nigel Farage. Wow. I mean, this is really sinister stuff. Mm. It was an EU directive that came to Britain on, on PEP rules. And so we treat, we treat former Chancellor of the Exchequer's grandchildren the same as we treat African dictators or Russian oligarchs or Colombians <laughs> who've got wow. bigger. So that rule needs to change. Yeah. And I'm pleased to say the FCA are writing to all the people on the PEP list to ask, have they suffered with bank account closures, insurance problems, pension problems? This goes, yeah. this is wider than just banks. Or have your family or friends suffered? So there's a big review into PEPs. Frankly, frankly, we should of course be nervous of hot foreign money coming into the country. But if we go on treating MPs and councillors like this, or more importantly, their family members like this, you'll find fewer good people want to go into public life. Mm. That needs to be reformed. The next big area, a massive problem, is cash. The banks willfully want to drive cash out of society. You think about it. We bailed them out in 08 and 09. In return, they've closed 5,000 branches around the country. 5,000 branches. And if you're running a small business, you want to pay in cash. You find, well, number one, the local branch is gone. It's a long way to go. And number two, from the 11th of September, NatWest are putting limits on the amount of cash you can put in and the amount of cash you can take out. And this, for small businesses, for small traders, yeah. is a disaster. I was talking to <coughs> a lady the other day. Uh, brother's got a fishing boat in the channel. She sells stuff by the roadside. She gets much more money selling by the roadside than going to the market and going through a merchant. Yeah. Average cash transaction, seven or eight quid. People give her a tenner. Yeah. Uh, they could pay by car, but the internet doesn't work there. Right. I mean, go to Cumbria. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. get an internet connection in Cumbria or wherever else. Um, and so these people are now being forced into a nightmare position where the banks do not want their cash. Do you think this is merchant fees? What do you think is behind this? Well, here's the thing. I mean, if you were running a small turnover business, Rob, you know, these merchant fees are not cheap. No. They're Three, not Three percent plus. We pay hundreds of thousands a year in bank charges. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, yeah. It, it, it's not cheap. My worry, if they drive cash out completely, is the merchant fees will become five or six percent. Yeah. I think that'll happen. Do you think it's a tax grab? I think there's something even bigger and more worrying than that going on. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, as no. you well know, but, but... What could be what could be worse than 50% tax? Well, oh, this is oh, far worse than that. Okay, I'm listening. From 2030, the United Kingdom will introduce... Central digital introductory currency. Introductory central bank digital currency. They're recruiting staff at the moment. A hundred world governments are now heading towards CBDCs. If we have CBDCs in a cashless, digitised society, our spending can be controlled. What we choose to spend money on can be controlled. Where we spend it, how we spend how it, we spend when it. we spend and it. And it's already happening. It's already happening. I have had several people, <coughs> even a 19-year-old, a 19-year-old student, right, works in a student bar to help pay his way through uni. He puts 50 quid a month into Coinbase, a legal entity, FCA registered, and he's buying coins. 
you know, I said, well, half of them will go bust, but you never know. <laughs> yeah. but, but, but one or two will go to the moon. Yeah. But, you know, you think about Bitcoin, Ethereum, I mean, in many parts of the world now, you know, you can buy cars, you can buy cups of coffee. Yeah. Higher profile people too, putting larger amounts of money. The banks are stopping you putting money in crypto. They're already controlling. So they want, to, they want to centralize. Yep. Uh, yeah. And if you want, by the way, if you want to take cash out of the bank. I, wanna, I had one bloke wrote to me, very successful, older guy, made fortunes as an entrepreneur. Says to his local bank in the West Country, I want to get 25 grand in cash. Goes in to get the cash. The manager is off for the day. He was a junior manager on. What do you want the cash for? I said, well, it is my money. You know, I have banked here for half a century. Yeah, yeah. I've got millions through this account every year. What do you want the cash for? He said, well, I'm going to buy Christmas presents. I'm going to buy a boat. A few. Anyway, she refused him the money. He remonstrated. He said, I didn't swear. I didn't shout. Account closed. So, you know, you go and try and get a couple of grand out. They will ask you, Mr. Moore, what do you want the money for? Yeah. You know, if you tell them it's for drugs at the weekend, they'll probably say it's fine, I don't know. But, <laughs> <laughs> but so, so you can see where we're going already with this. If we have CBDCs, we will all be given our personal carbon allowance. You, you want to go to Marbella for the weekend? I'm sorry, you've used up your carbon allowance for the year. I mean, you know, controlling people's money is the ultimate form of control. Cancelling people's bank accounts is the ultimate form of cancel culture. You can't live, even though I want cash to stay in the system, you still can't live without an active bank account, with your standing order, with the gas company, the electricity yeah. company, whatever it may be. So I, I've got a very big fear here. And as I say, from the 11th of September, NatWest are putting very strict limits on what you can pay in and what you can take out in cash.